Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Hey, Small Group Network, welcome back to another episode of Reading Lens. We are so glad that you chose the time to hang out with us. Here is how Reading Lens works. Each month, I have a guest with us who's also a Small Group's point person to share with you insights from books we are reading and what our takeaways were, how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, and our small groups. Today, you get a double dose of Nick's. I'm your host, Nick Lindsay, and our guest today is Nick Shanlaw from Third City Christian Church in Grand Island, Nebraska. Thank you for joining us, Nick. Yeah, great to be here. Nick, why don't you explain to them what your role is? at Third City? Yeah, so at Third City, uh, I am the adult ministry pastor. That includes really a lot of areas, uh, small groups, uh, primarily counseling and care, discipleship, and a whole lot more. Oh, that's awesome. So they've you literally have all the adult kind of ministries. Yes. Nothing's been yep. broken out. That's 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 great. Uh, what do you love about your church? Uh, you know, for me, the church church is amazing. It's it's home for me. Always has been. Uh, it's it's truly is my family. Uh, and you know, like any real family, you have great times together. Uh, you have challenging times together, uh, especially like this <laughs> last year. Sometimes you don't always like each other, but you know there is something greater than us all bonding us together. And in the end, your family matters. You know, our one of the things I particularly love about our staff is. Not only do we work well uh, together, but we play well, we laugh well too. And and that just is really important to our church in the unity of it. And um, yeah, I, I've been in, you know, at, at Hoboken Grace for 12 years and we've been through, you know, periods where we've had some unhealthy staff and, and we've had those periods where it really, really feels like family and, and it just makes such a difference when the staff is unified together. Anything that you guys do that, that kind of helps with that unity, you would uh, say? That's all led out. Out by our senior minister. Uh, he is an active voice for unity in the staff. And um, yeah. he's he's been great. Uh, he's been like that for uh, as long as I've been on staff, which has been about 15, 14 years, excuse me. And um, it has just really uh, sunk into the heart of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I did on our staff, you know, when we, we came out one of those unhealthy periods and, and I really just wanted us to help have a family feel. I just started organizing organizing lunches on Thursday afternoons. And we would just all as a staff go to the food court, which is a great place because then you don't have to fight over like, I want this today. I want this today. And it's like, you got 10 options, like go pick what you want. Right. And um, it was interesting just turning into a weekly routine and us able to just like put down our, our walls to everything and just be able to have conversations and have a meal together. It's just amazing what can happen when you have food in front of each other and you're just like able to have genuine conversation that really helps build those bonds as a staff so absolutely yeah i would i would imagine that's probably going to play into today's conversation when we end up getting the silos is like how important those just like casual relationships are because mm-hmm. i think sometimes it can, you can go weeks without seeing some people in ministry and so that's why i think one of those benefits of those lunches was super helpful for us too yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you love about grand island yeah so i've been in grand island for nearly 15 years now it's home for me um this community is amazing uh and so generous that's 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 really one thing I, I love about it. And the thing about Nebraska, and you might hear about this, this about the Midwest is, you know, strangers will wave at each other and stop to talk <laughs> to one another on the street. And I've been, I've been to California. 
and don't see that kind of stuff out there. But uh, that's really and truly one thing I love about Nebraska. Uh, the sense of community yeah. here is really awesome. And and truly, I wouldn't give it up for anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm in New Jersey, so yeah. obviously I'm at that other polar end of... Uh, you know, what's interesting, here, I would say, though, is that like once you break through that hard shell, they let you go so, so deep. I think I've talked about this in previous episodes. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Grand Island, you know, when I think of islands, I don't think of Nebraska. Yep. Is it actually an island? Uh, yes, actually it is. Okay. We are <laughs> on a very large sandbar between two rivers. Uh, you would never oh, cool. know it's an island, um, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. Our, our dirt is basically sand here, so it's it's <laughs> it's kind of an island. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Cool. And then listen, we've been friends in this network for several years. Uh, I believe you just stepped into a new role. You want to share with our community what your new role is? Yeah, sure. You know, and I've been a part of the the network for ten years now, and um, done a lot of different things. Uh, just recently, though, I stepped into the role of central regional leader, and really excited to do that. Uh, I love that I get to encourage uh, huddle leaders uh, yes. across the four state area in what they are doing, and just reminding them uh, why it matters. Yeah, yeah, and I would say like if you're someone and you're interested in in starting a huddle, uh, you know, one of the things we probably don't do a great job of sharing is that these regional leaders, you know, will. Uh, end up becoming a coach in a sense and that they, you know, they want to hear how things are going and be able to encourage you. And it's, it's a really nice little bonus when you, when you have a huddle that, you know, uh, someone like Nick is praying for you and, and wants to hear how you're doing. So that's always awesome. And then uh, I, I can't go through this without shouting out like some of our legendary uh, central region, regional leaders in the past. So we've had obviously Jay Daniel, yeah. Nebraska famous, and yeah. then Brian Phipps, uh, yeah. Joe Clausen, just, just, yeah, good you know, guys. now we got, now we got Nick Shanlaw. Just it's just natural that we would have someone great, you know, filling in the central region. So thank you for doing that for up to the network. So cool. All right, hey, well, let's jump into today's book. Uh, the book you chose for us today is Silos, Politics, and Turf Wars by Patrick Lencioni. Um, what made you choose this book? Yeah, you know. First of all, I have to say Patrick Lencioni has been one of my favorite authors of mine for years um, and uh, love listening to the guy when he's speaking. Um, yeah. Uh, first book I read of his was Five Dysfunctions of a Team, uh, which mm. is sort of a classic in uh, in the on the leadership bookshelf. But uh, um, I originally read this particular book a couple of years ago. Um, I was heading out on sabbatical. And one of the things I wanted to accomplish uh, while on that uh, trip was to figure out how to bring my ministries together. As I said earlier, I oversee all of our adult ministries and I wanted to make sure they were all communicating well, going after the same purposes, because I began to see some infighting between mm. the various entities under my umbrella. And so I knew that Patrick was going to have something really good to say about it. That's awesome. I, you know, I wasn't really, I was thinking when I read this book more that it was going to apply more towards like my relationship with kids and Sunday and all these other things. So it's it's great to hear that you you're going to bring some color on what it looks like inside. I think that's probably because, you know, at Hoboken Grace, I generally just see our small groups and our educational wing is what we call Quip and it lives in a different area along with Care. That'll that'll be great to hear that. I mean, and then Patrick is is a fantastic author. He's really unique in that he starts with fables, mm. which I think are always interesting. I've I've always wondered though with with Lencioni's book is 
how important it is to actually read the fables because every book of his is about 100 to 150 pages of a fable. And then the last 50 or like 20 to 50 pages is like, here's what you need to know. And it's just like, <laughs> could, can you get away with just reading those last 20? Or is or how like how important actually is that fable? So it's interesting because like today we probably won't actually talk about the fable that much. But yeah, Flanchione, fantastic. Every book is great. I, one of the ones that's really influential here at Hoboken Grace is um, Ideal Team Player. And I actually received that as a gift once. And um, what a fantastic book that is. And I love he always has principles that are really easy and memorable to retain um, that, that really help with those things. So I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last Patrick Lencioni book that we do on this podcast. Oh, no. So Yeah. And the yeah. thing about fables, Nick, is yeah, I don't know if you can get away without reading it because the fable, what the fable does is attach is it attaches the emotion to what oh, you're trying great. to accomplish. And, uh, you know, if you're just getting the information, I don't know that it would just I don't know if it would connect as quite as well without really drawing something out of you. So that's really the thing I like about his approach to leadership. I wish you guys could see my face right now. I have like the like my my brain is blown (laughs) glaze over my face. That was really good because I'm just thinking about like that's why those stories are so important in our trainings when we're able to talk about previous group experiences that others have had and and making bringing kind of that context to it as well but i love how you're saying like bringing the emotional element i think you know that should help us as we move forward in our insider trainings that don't just give them what they need to know help them give some color and context to that so that's man that is great we could turn the podcast off now but we're not (laughs) we're gonna keep going so nick in case it isn't obvious what are we talking about when we talk about silos i'll I'll use this quote silos are, are nothing more than barriers that exist between departments within an organization causing people who are supposed to be on the same team to work against one another. You know, to put it simply and in, in using my own words, when I think about silos, um, all decisions typically start out with good intentions, but mm-hmm. the moment they start uh, building barriers between yourself, others, everyone else on the team, that's when it becomes a silo. Um, you start getting into your own goals, your own pathways, your own needs. And uh, and if you're not consulting, if you're not working with the rest of your team, you're left yeah. with a silo. Yeah. And I, I learned this from Steve Gladen years ago, and he was talking about how every department, every ministry needs to all be going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And um, visually, you can't see I'm like pointing arrows like <laughs> straight up. And then you Usually, like what he'll draw is he'll draw one of them that gets off on a line, and uh, when when one of the arrows gets off, what it ends up causing is drag. Yeah. And so, like when we don't, when we aren't all heading in the same direction, and we end up siloed, we end up causing drag on our or- organization, and we just can't move as fast as we as we want to. But when when it comes to silos, like how do, how would we start with identifying them, Nick? Yeah, I think it begins with you have to become really aware, um, mm-hmm. start seeing some infighting. Unnecessary infighting would probably be the other word that goes in there too. <laughs> Unnecessary <laughs> is exactly right. And, you know, just uh, departments moving different directions all together. You know, it's yeah. really, really easy to get into, as I said, you know, because decisions start with good intentions. But once you're in there, man, it's hard to get out of. Yeah. I think one that I've, I usually identify when, when this starts happening too is when I'm unaware at what other departments are working on. I think that's a, that's one that's like where I start to see that. Like, 
like where I like if you were to say like, if you were to come in right now and be like, hey, Nick, what is the service programming's goal right now? Like, what are they working towards? And I'd just be like, no idea, yeah. which isn't great because, you know, think how many people I have in groups who aren't serving on teams to be able to relay like and say, hey, like this might be a great opportunity for people inside your group to go serve here or whatever. Or another one is like when we end up fighting for the same leaders, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And a lot of times it's because like our goals are both like, all right, grow and get more leaders, right? And yet we're we're fighting over the same people as opposed to like encouraging them to find the right spot for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, so. when, at least in our church culture, we deal with, and you've, you've probably heard this, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. When you're mm -hmm. always after that same 10%, <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Man, yours is more extreme. Usually it's 80 20. Yours is 90 10. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say once we've identified them, how, how might we start to get out of these silos? Silos probably do exist somewhere yeah. around you. You know, you, ha you have to understand that. Um, first of all, uh, it, it, it starts with some humility. Um, mm -hmm. Just being aware if 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 you're at the center of a silo, if you've created a silo uh, with others. It, so it starts there. I think you got to be a little introspective in, in that. Um, but uh, but yeah, identifying them can be hard. Um, but just seeing the infighting that's that the unnecessary infighting that's occurring, the, um, the 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 people, the departments moving different directions, starting to look after different goals. Um, you you want to bring some unity back into your department, into your ministry, and uh, and so. Uh, but the reality is, though, they're the elephant in the room, right? They're mm -hmm. they're, they're hard to address. Uh, to go to go to a, a ministry department and say, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. That's a hard, hard uh, <laughs> thing to do. And so because we respect each other most of the time and to actually go to someone and say, hey, we need to work through this. And I think the book Through the Fable really does a great job of talking about that. And, and, and you see uh, through the characters of the book that those are hard conversations and you really you really start to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. I mean, this is this has been a theme on a lot of these podcasts. I know it was an extreme ownership and it was also in how to lead when you're not in charge, but getting the clarification and why from leadership, especially leadership that's above you is super important. And so like example I want to use here is you know, recently we needed, we started a curriculum. It's called Reengage. I think it comes from Watermark. It's a, it's a marriage curriculum. Mm -hmm. And we had just come out of our other class environment where we just started doing starting point. And when starting point started, it ended up taking 11 of my leaders to go start their ministry, which ended up being like 25% of our leaders. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they took like pretty much our top 11 leaders to go do that. <laughs> Right. Which just really like left me kind of defeated. And then when hearing that they're about to start another one, they're about to start reengage and knowing that crap, here comes another, they're going to ask for six to 10 more people. Right. But being able to understand, like to be able to go to my, you know, lead pastor who's, you know, obviously encouraging the equip department. Hey, we need to have a solution for those who are new in our faith. We need to have a solution for those who are uh, married in our community to strengthen these marriages. Like we have to have a solution to this. Like I had to hear that, hear the why to understand saying like, oh, like I'm like, it's like, yes, I've raised these leaders, but it's I, they're getting to help us fulfill the mission here at, at our community. And so like, I think that's, a, that's one of those things too, where like, I can't ask or encourage you guys enough. Like, it's so worth it to go get those clarifying things on why we're making something important right. uh, inside our communities. So yeah, and I think that's a good point is when you like one of the steps on, you know, when you think about, well, I'm in a silo, how do I start getting out of it? Yeah, start celebrating 
celebrating other people's wins with them. Mm. And that's a that's a big first step and uh, really shows some forward movement. And you know what? It's, it's not just about me, but I'm, yeah. I'm going to celebrate with you and your wins as well. Yeah, that's really good. Hey, Small Group Network. Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer, and I am interrupting Reading Lens to talk to you about some great events coming up. This summer is going to be sizzling with some great Small Group Network events. Now let's hear you say that five times fast. Here are some events all over the U.S. Align Denver, June 29th. Accelerate SoCal, July 13th and 14th. Accelerate New England, August 3rd and 4th. And Accelerate Ohio, September 23rd through 24th. Go to smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash conferences to find those and many more. Now back to Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Cool. So let's give them the, you know, Patrick also addresses this on how we can get out of them. Um, And he really just tries to provide some organizational structure to this organizational more in, um, you know, the goals and objectives that you set. And so he really asks that every team to identify four main kind of categories that they need to establish. And the first is a thematic goal. Um, And sometimes they'll refer to this as a rallying cry. So what is it that we want our church or organization to rally around? Um, And the definition here for a thematic goal is a single qualitative focus that is shared by the entire leadership team and ultimately by the entire organization. And that applies for only a specific time period. So one of the things is that he wants this to be time bound. So it's about three to 12 months. You also heard that he wants it to be qualitative. So a thematic goal is not a number, which like to me, that was like, oh, wow, that's really important. Like I like at Hoboken Grace, we've always been so metric driven and we're going to get to metrics a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the past, all of our all of our goals, we've never been really thematic. We've always been yeah. like, like we're going for X number, you know, we're going for this number of baptisms as opposed to, you know, having something that's more a general statement of a desired accomplishment is what it says in your book. Um, and I love it says it requires a verb because it rallies people to do something. So words like improve, reduce, increase, grow, change, establish, eliminate, accelerate uh, inside that. And then I also love the other thing to point out here is that it is shared so that it's amongst everyone. So I think right, right. Yeah, one of the yeah. things the book refer, refers to, and I love this, is sometimes you got to take off your ministry department hat and and you just got to get into the meat of what you're all about, uh, all, yes. everyone. And I, I love that thought and I love that approach. And um, I, I think a lot of churches are, are this is how our church is. Um, most of the vision is set by our, our senior minister and, you know, we want to be able to follow his vision. And um, But uh, but in order to do that, I, I've got to get out from just my, my yeah. small group hat and uh, what I want. And I've got to be able to, you know, listen and, and really learn, um, figure out, okay, how, how can I best follow his vision in yeah. ministry? Yeah. And this has been, this has been a challenge on our staff because, you know, we had started as a church plant and a lot of us have been here for almost since the beginning. There's a, there's about four or five of us on staff and now we're about a staff of about 15. So that means we've had 10 that have kind of come on later. But when you're a church plant, you're wearing multiple hats and you're, yeah. You're constantly thinking about different areas. And we used to be in a meeting where it's just like our team meeting was all those areas. And now each area has their own team meetings, right? Mm-hmm. And um, now we're in this area where it's like, no, like, no, 
no, I need to go back. I love like take off the hat and and think about those other things. And I until you said that, I hadn't thought about how that kind of affects our culture currently inside our own church of, oh, this was somewhat of an advantage before and that you had to have your feet in all these different areas and mm-hmm. be looking out for each other. And then now it, the, the deeper you get into this and the bigger that we grow, the, the easier it is for these silos to kind of yeah. identify themselves. Um, cool. So the first is the thematic goal. Next is a set of defining objectives. And so this is the temporary qualitative components of the thematic goal. And this is shared by all members of the leadership team. And it's usually about four to six of them. You know, the first is a thematic goal. And the second is a set of defining objectives. And this is a temporary or qualitative components of the thematic goal. So this is what are the few objectives that we need to do that will help us towards that thematic goal. Um, and again, this is shared by all members of the leadership team. And usually it's about four to six objectives is what he recommends. Um, and again, they're to be qualitative. And it's really, he says, it's really tempting to start, you know, quantifying these because it gives us a sense of closure. However, it'll limit the involvement of the, the leadership team. And the other thing that was I loved about this is that he also wanted these to be shared. And, mm-hmm. and the reason he wanted them to be shared was he says, I'll read the quote, it says, often the best suggestions and ideas about an issue come from the people not closely involved in that issue. They bring value, objectivity, even naivete to the table. <laughs> Sorry, I struggle on that word. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I really like that of I've definitely seen that in the past where getting a fresh perspective yeah. is super helpful on getting through what looks like a hurdle to you. And I think so often sometimes, I, man, I don't know what book it was, but one of the books, I think it might have been a Chip and Dan Heath book, mm. but it was talking about how so often we go into problems and we only think about A and B and we don't take enough time to identify what maybe solutions C, D, E, F, and G might be. Right. And I feel like a lot of those other solutions are generally when I come to people who they have a little bit of miniature experience, but they're in a different area and they can think of like, oh, well, what if we try this approach that, that is really helpful? Yeah. And it's going to be in those, it's going to be in those outliers, you know, as you start flushing out those many ideas that I find you, you know, you're going to find your best solutions. And, and I think, especially when you, when, when you're able to get, uh, get the opinion, uh, get the thoughts of, of the people who aren't directly and emotionally involved, mm-hmm. you, you, like you said, it, it's really fresh perspective. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what Patrick Lencioni does for a living. You know, he, he yeah. comes into places and, and, and he helps people through these things because he can be that, that third party, that, that fresh perspective that you need. Yeah, that is really, that's really great. So the third one, so first, again, so first was thematical, second, defining objective. Next one is standard operating objectives. And so these are ongoing priorities of the organization shared by all the team members. By the way, once we get through these four, we'll give you an example of what this looks like inside of a church. And this is the other note on here is it's a, it's critical to acknowledge the existence of other key objectives that leadership team must focus on and monitor. So this is this is great to know how you're you're winning inside that. And then lastly is metrics. And I think we kind of know what metrics are. So I'm not gonna spend too much time here. I love his warnings, though, that he puts with mm-hmm. metrics. He says, without the other areas, metrics have little or no context, right. which holy cow, is yeah. that good. Um, I know personally for us, like we have been metrics since day one, which has been awesome. But we have become we have we've kind of flipped this pyramid in a sense. And it's interesting. I wonder how much this has to do with silos being developed where mm-hmm. we start with our own metrics. Yeah. So right now we're in a strategy season at, at my church and um, we 
we were encouraged to start with like, hey, what is your main metric that you want to drive? And then what are the other metrics that you want that'll help get you to that one? And what's interesting is I wonder how much that's going to cause silos in that like we are all driving for our individual metric as opposed to collectively working towards a greater objective. And so it was interesting. I was able to share that with my, you know, my my lead pastor. I was actually yesterday and, and timely with this book. And he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, you know, kind of overlooked that to be able to realize like, oh, you guys, we need to collectively work towards something with that. So, um, but let's give you yeah. some color on this on so you guys can understand what this looks like. Patrick gives an example actually of a church inside here. And so the situation of the church is that attendance at weekly services is up and weekly receipts from the collection basket are growing. More and more people are joining the parish and congregation. So pretty great mm-hmm. situation to be in. And so uh, when that church staff got together, they decided that their thematic goal would be to expand and meet demand. So again, that verb there, expand, is the one that they use. And then the defining objectives were to add more Sunday services, expand facilities, offer more educational programs, increase outreach, grow the church staff. So we need to talk to Pentrick about small groups. I don't see that here in defining objectives. That'd be amazing. (laughs) I realize he wrote educational programs, but you know, we we can uh, can be much more more, uh, focused than that, Patrick. Yes, we can. can. So, uh, and then the time frame one year. So again, making sure that it's it's in that range of three months to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And then the standard operating procedures at this at this church was to maintain attendance growth, maintain collection receipts, uh, manage expenses, increase the number of people served through outreach and achieve a parishioner member satisfaction targets. So uh, yeah. what ha- what have what have these looked like for you when you've have you been able to put this into practice? Yeah. So one of the things I've been working on the last couple of years um, after I read this book was I wanted to uh, I started sitting down with all of my leaders and uh, and started talking to them about you know you know first first we dug into that thematic goal like what's what's the big picture items what, that we're trying to accomplish uh, within the ministry so so I did I spent several months just listening and learning from my leaders I, I want I really mm-hmm. wanted to hear their hearts yeah and and, uh, and so we were able to through that process I was really able to put together the the thematic goal. And then even better, I was able to start driving those defining objectives. You know, we wanted to see, for example, we wanted to see biblical literacy increase. Yeah. We wanted to see baptisms uh, increase. We wanted to see people uh, stepping into serving roles uh, increase. We wanted in it, we wanted to see a pipeline develop into leadership. And so all, all of these major themes came out. Uh, which have been vital to us ever since. And, you know, we, we started thinking about, okay, how are we actually measuring this stuff? And what are we doing to celebrate it too? Um, but the funny thing is that as I was talking to other ministry department heads, they were after the same same stuff. And yeah. so so it was neat because like, hey, we're all we're we're all after the same thing. So let's mm-hmm. let's work together to to develop some processes that will aid in that and uh, and get us to our to our eventual goals. Yeah, that's that's great. You know, I was thinking for us, like if I had to define a thematic goal right now, it's you know we want to re like reestablish our group's DNA. So we've since day one, we've been a groups church, heavy focus on groups throughout the week, and through the pandemic, that has kind of drifted a bit. It's just been really challenging for families and and people to be a part of groups, which is you know I think what everyone's somewhat experiencing, and so. 
you know, we're figuring out ways to reestablish that. And we really feel like we need to get a fresh start with that. But some of the objectives that we're looking for inside, you know, reestablishing that that goal is one of them is to get younger, Mm. if that makes sense. And that like, we've, you know, as we've aged, our church has kind of aged as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're missing, you know, that young adult generation that we used to just really thrive at um, impacting. And I think, you know, having that as an objective will cause us to think differently of how we might approach an issue different, right? Whereas before that, if you don't have those defining objectives, you might make groups comfortable based on how you want your group to be, as opposed to, you know, if we need to get younger, then maybe something needs to change. Maybe I need to be okay with something um, going away, or I have to figure out how to accommodate things differently. And and I don't mean that in a watered down way. It's, It's on a level in which they can understand or they feel valued or appreciated and that they can hear. So yeah, um, with that. These last few months have been, I've been really sink, pouring myself into just a lot of learning about handling change. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're all in the same boat. And uh, yeah, uh, the as you were talking, the that, that quote comes to mind. Uh, it's come to mind a few times recently. You've probably heard it. The, the, the system you currently have is perfectly designed to produce <laughs> the results you're, you're- seeing. <laughs> and, and, you know, as, as you talk about, you know, your church yeah. is getting older. Well, your current system is perfectly designed for that. And, and I think about I think about our church, and especially in uh, how we handle change. Uh, my system is perfectly designed to produce these results I'm seeing every single day that I show up in the office. So I have to ask myself, am I satisfied with those? First of all, uh, if I yeah. if I if I'm not and I want to get somewhere else, I have to start saying goodbye to some things. And, and that's hard. Um, um, and I, uh, I just I just started a new book that that talks a little bit about this and call, uh, he, the, the author talks about adaptive challenges in leadership um, and, and being able to to kiss things goodbye in an appropriate way uh, so that you are able to move forward. So. Cool. So, hey, I, I wanted to pull out one thing that you shared earlier when you were talking about like outside voices coming in and having, you know, perspective that what's makes them valuable as a consultant. But, you know, as we know. Uh, consultants can be very expensive. Yeah. So, what might be some things that we could do? You know, when we maybe maybe we don't have the budget for a consultant, how might we make progress without having one? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question, Nick. And um, one of the first things I, I've learned is <clears throat> how to be able to ask someone who's trusted in ministry to help you identify your blind spots. Yeah, um, that that's man, that's that's thing number one. You know, what are the things I'm not seeing that I need to? And, and through that, just as we do all that work ourselves, you know, it takes a lot of humility uh, because sometimes I might have to say I, I've been going the wrong path on this. But to, but to just to have that trusted friend who who can give you that constructive feedback is is really valuable uh, so that you can begin to build a process to get out of the size. Yeah, man, that is really good. That that, that specifically reminds me of I was at a conference last month uh, with my partnership network that, uh, that that my church is a part of, and they had a speaker and they were talking about this. TED talk of a person who was talking about like how we feel when we're wrong, Mm -hmm. right? And so she asked the crowd like, hey, how do you feel when you're wrong? 
And, you know, everyone, like, the first thing you go to is like, I usually feel ashamed or I feel, you know, stupid, these kind of things. And she's like, no, 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 that's when you know that you are wrong. Someone mm. who's wrong feels like they're right yeah. until it's found out that they're wrong, right? So, yeah. like, that's why I think when you talk about blind spots and, and having others help you work through those, we all feel right even when we are wrong. That's right. And I think that's why it's helpful to have that other perspective. Yeah, stuff. yeah and so, you know, as we start to wrap up this book, let's, you know, let's talk about some of our personal takeaways from this book. Um, you know, do you want to go first? Yeah. So, I think one of the biggest takeaways I had was, like I said earlier, um, you know, our staff works really well together. And so, when you, when you think about silos on a macro versus micro level. Uh, on the macro level, between our staff members, like we do pretty good. Um, do silos exist? Sure, they do. Um, but and, and those are things that we're always kind of working through. Uh, but even on a micro level, you know, even under my own umbrella of ministry, uh, the things that that are on my desk that I'm dealing with every day. You know, I, I started seeing all of these silos uh, exist and that was really problematic for me because I was like, well, my ministry is not really healthy if it's if all these silos exist within it. So that just took a lot of hard work dealing with those. Mm. A lot of, <clears throat> like I mentioned before, it's just a lot of praying, a lot of listening. And then most importantly, I began to push into these areas, really challenging the, the leaders of these various groups to start working together, to start going after a bigger vision so yeah that's really great i would say for me it's you know it's funny we talked about like how important the fables are one of the things that the fable kind of identifies that they realize why it's important to not be in silos is to be prepared for the crisis before the crisis yeah. happens yeah. and that being like something that motivates people to uh work on these things together right because mm -hmm. we we don't we want to be prepared for crisis and i it just made me personally think about how i felt like we were really ready when the the pandemic began because we already had online groups. Um, we're a young culture, so that transition was really easy. It felt like we were just shifting lanes on the highway. And I should have been working probably harder during that, you know, time that, you know, hey, we were ready for that crisis. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see the next crisis coming in that like, hey, all of this fatigue is building and all of these like normal, you know, the, all these other kind of things. And so right now I'm, I feel like we're a little bit in a crisis, but uh, that I'm, I'm unprepared for. But I love now that the this has given me a little bit of hope on on how to motivate a team through a thematic goal and that rallying cry, something that yeah. we can all get behind yeah. and help drive things forward. So just continuing to add to the that leadership toolbox of, you know, vision casting. And, you know, I, I, I really love their whole rallying cry thematic goal kind of concept inside yeah. that. So in keeping those non-negotiables that, mm -hmm. that your team has identified out in front of them, continue to reminding yeah. remind them of those those people. Pieces, uh, like you said, the rallying cry, and that's going to that's going to keep the vision out there for them, just uh, mm -hmm. a, a, as as a as as the point of pursuit for them. They're going to, you know, I, I want our team to always be reminded of those things so that they can continue to chase after them every single day. And I think sometimes too, I, I think some of the mistakes that that can be made too is not having shared metrics. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is like I feel like all of our departments inside of a church should own baptisms. Mm -hmm. the number of baptisms that happen inside of a church isn't just one thing that should be owned by the department that organizes your baptisms. Yep. Your group should be driving
driving people to, in those conversations, kids ministry, Sunday, you know, all these different areas. Like I think if, if we all own those numbers, you know, the difference in the focus that can be made on, I think that's a pretty clear example that's there. But I feel like maybe some other ones that, that, are, that are shared metrics across all areas is being in a group, being on a team, membership, baptism, you know, and then stepping into leadership. Like right. those are five right there yeah. that I feel like everyone can own and that allows you to fight for people instead of fighting the people, you know, fighting yep. for. Yep. Wait, did that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you, it's kind of a different use of the four, right? Right. But like you fight for them as opposed to for fighting for them for your own metric. Right, right. So, yeah. And, and we, I, I've utilized even just our, our, our church's core values. Uh, you know, everyone has has uh, the core values, ours, our worship, serve, and grow. And so yeah. those become my metrics at, by which Good. I want our groups to go after, you know, are, yeah. are these people worshiping? Are they are they serving? Are they growing? So, yeah, awesome. All right, Nick, as we wrap it up, let's head into the lightning round. What is another book that you were reading recently that's had an impact on your leadership? Uh, yeah, so this last year, um, uh, this was huge. I, I read through Pete Scazzaro's Emotionally Healthy Leadership um, with my team, and uh, that was fantastic, um, really Help me learn uh, lessons of of pace of uh, of Sabbath and uh, yeah. I, I think I'm a pretty normal person where I, I tend to like to work on my days off and um, I've had to learn how yeah. to let go of those <laughs> those things uh, just just so that I can continue on doing what I'm doing. So a uh, really fantastic book, uh, really uh, changed how my team talks and uh, kind of caught, uh, caught fire amongst our staff because now it's uh, now it's how our staff talks too. So it's uh, it's been really That's impactful. Great. I'm going to have to pick that one up. I can't tell you how many times I have started Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and have never got around to finishing it. I think I have started that book three or four times <laughs> and it's not because it's a bad book. I feel like it's it's like the devil doesn't want me to finish that book. Yeah. And so I think I need to do that with that, read that book with that in mind that mm-hmm. like, no, like you are not going to win. <laughs> yeah. So, cause something always comes up every time we start reading that book, but that sounds phenomenal. I've never heard anyone say that a uh, Pete's Casero book is not worth reading. So I think right. that's, that's great. Uh, and then what's one book you're looking forward to? Uh, yeah. So getting into uh, canoeing the mountains by Ted Bolsinger and, uh, uh, awesome. I'm really looking forward to this, uh, just because uh, he's talking about navigating change, and mm-hmm. that, that's the world that we live in. And so, um, you know, I want to yeah. make sure I'm going into uh, the rest of. 2021, 2022, navigating that change well uh, for my ministry. Awesome. And when you're done reading that, you can go back to episode four and listen. We, we that, that was our fourth book we did with Kristen Telzero. Yeah. Um, or you could just not read the book and just go listen to the podcast, <laughs> which I think is is uh, Steve's strategy with with uh, this podcast. But yeah, it's uh, no, I I would totally I'd recommend reading it and then and then because uh, you got to get your own takeaways. Don't don't yeah, rely absolutely. on somebody else absolutely. to be your truth for you. Yep. So yep. awesome. Nick, it would be this was great. It would be great to have you you back. You know, I mean, you know, one of the Scazzaro books might be one that we could do in the future. Love but that. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Nick Lindsay, and I want to thank you for listening with us. Thanks to Nick for sharing your experiences. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. Be sure to come back next week for Inside Saddleback. Thanks for joining us. And remember, leaders are readers. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. 
Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.